Hello, everyone, and welcome to Spirit Led Hope. My name is Glenn Erickson, and in this episode, we're answering the question, how should the gift of tongues be used in public? Before we get started, I want to, again, thank everyone who listens to this podcast. If you find these episodes helpful, please share them with your family and friends, or leave a review and rating. All right, let's get back to our topic. In the last two episodes, we've looked at the gift of speaking in tongues, and we've discussed some of the difficulties with this gift. And in the last episode, we examined reasons why we would want to speak in tongues privately. In this episode, we look at this gift and how it should be exercised in a public setting. There are two very broad extremes on this topic. On one hand, there's an attitude that anything goes. Anyone can speak in tongues at any time, and some of the people speaking in tongues may be somewhat out of control. Some practitioners of this would describe this experience as being swept along by the Spirit. Now, on the other hand, the most extreme view would be that there should be no speaking in tongues in public, or really any type of speaking in tongues. What I will say right up front is that the healthy place to be is between these two extremes. And we see this from the writings of Paul in the book of 1 Corinthians. It's clear from 1 Corinthians that the church in Corinth had people who were out of control when speaking in tongues. But in correcting them, Paul seems very concerned about going overboard and shutting them completely down. Let's quickly look at some verses from 1 Corinthians to understand more about the gift of tongues and its public use. In these verses, there will be the mention of prophecy. If that's new to you, please go back and listen to some of the earlier episodes where we cover that gift. In 1 Corinthians chapter 13, Paul talks about love, and he moves from that into a teaching on prophecy and tongues. So let's start with chapter 14, verses 1 through 5, And here in these verses today, I'm reading from the ESV translation. Pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. For one who speaks in a tongue speaks not to men, but to God. For no one understands him, but he utters mysteries in the Spirit. On the other hand, the one who prophesies speaks to people for their upbuilding and encouragement and consolation. The one who speaks in a tongue builds up himself, but the one who prophesies builds up the church. Now, I want you all to speak in tongues, but even more to prophesy. The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues, unless someone interprets so that the church may be built up. Now, let's jump down to verses 26 through 28. When you come together, each one has a hymn, a lesson, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation. Let all things be done for building up. If any speak in a tongue, let there be only two, or at most three, and each in turn, and let someone interpret. But if there's no one to interpret, let each of them keep silent in church and speak to himself and to God. And finally, let's jump down to verses 39 and 40, which are the summary verses for chapter 14. Earnestly desire to prophesy And do not forbid speaking in tongues, but all things should be done decently and in order. 
Okay, I, I know there's a lot of information and a lot of instruction in those verses. So let me summarize five main points. Point one, when we speak in tongues, we're speaking to God. In other words, the direction of tongues is from us to God. The Holy Spirit helps us to pray, give praise and thanks, and to worship God. And this helps to build up the one speaking in tongues. We talked about that in the last episode as one of the reasons we would want to speak in tongues. Point two, speaking in tongues doesn't build up anyone other than the speaker unless it's interpreted. In public, then, the gift of tongues should be used with the companion gift of the interpretation of tongues. That way, everyone can benefit. With interpretation, everyone can join with the Holy Spirit to speak to God and be built up. Point three, another thing we see from these verses is that people speaking in tongues are never out of control. In other words, we can keep silent, and we can limit ourselves so that only a few speak in tongues and share what they are given through interpretation. If there is no one to interpret, then those with the gift of speaking in tongues should be silent. And again, that means we can control when we speak in tongues. Point four, the gift of tongues is meant to be used publicly, and that may surprise you that I say that. Even though most Christians speaking in tongues do it privately, Paul says that when we come together, we benefit from hymns, lessons, and revelations, and then Paul adds speaking in tongues to that list. This does not mean that every time we come together, we must speak in tongues and interpret it. It doesn't mean that. But there is a public place for this gift. It may not be in a large Sunday service. That may or may not be the best place depending on how the service is done. You may find it more appropriate in small gatherings where a visitor can ask questions about it. The point is that even Paul, who spoke in tongues privately, states there is value to doing it publicly. And finally, point five, we are not to forbid speaking in tongues. But the overarching principles when it comes to speaking in tongues are found in 1 Corinthians 13 and the summary verses found at the end of chapter 14. And the two overarching principles are that one— we pursue love, and two, the use of tongues must be done decently and in order. Now, of course, we're free to lovingly, I hope, debate what decently and in order means, but Paul does give examples to help show what he means. With those five points in mind, then what are some of the practical considerations when it comes to exercising the spiritual gift of speaking in tongues in public. One of the things I think we should see is that not all speaking in tongues is meant for public consumption. So when we look closely through chapters 12, 13, and 14 of 1 Corinthians, we can see a distinction between a private praying in tongues and a public presentation in tongues. The public presentation of a tongue is a Holy Spirit-directed 
word for that moment, for the church, much like a prophetic word. It's different from prophecy in the sense that it does take the companion gift of interpretation to have the same effect as a prophetic word. What this means practically is that you may have the ability to pray privately in tongues, but that doesn't mean that God will use that gift publicly. So in other words, you may pray in tongues every day, but never be asked by the Holy Spirit to use that gift with a public interpretation. In fact, Paul said he spoke in tongues more than anyone else, and yet he himself said that in the church he would rather speak in a known language. I can't think of any reference that states Paul ever gave a corporate message in tongues. Another practical consideration is to recognize that with the Christian form of speaking in tongues— The decision to speak or be silent is under the control of the one speaking. This is very empowering. No one needs to worry that in a moment of silence in a Sunday service, the Holy Spirit is going to make strange sounds spew out of your mouth. And remember, something like that is out of character of the Holy Spirit because God doesn't bring confusion into a place of peace and order. When we look through the teachings of Paul, I think it's important to look at the overarching principles I mentioned earlier. These principles of love and doing things decently and in order help us through situations that may not be explicitly covered in 1 Corinthians 14. For example, have you ever been in a church service or a small group gathering where the leader encouraged everyone that could to take a few minutes to pray out loud in tongues with no need for interpretation. So based on what we just talked about, is that wrong? Or do the verses we just read say it's okay? Well, you may not agree with my take on this, but I do believe that under the right circumstances, it would be okay. And here's why. When Paul talks about limiting speaking in tongues to only two or three with the need for interpretation, he's talking about the gift of speaking in tongues corporately and not a person's private prayer language. Now, although our prayer language can be interpreted, most times it's not. In a public gathering where an individual speaks up with a corporate tongue for all to hear, it is meaningless unless it's interpreted. It would be a case where the church hears what sounds like a bunch of gibberish with no benefit to the listeners. If there were any strangers there, it would be confusing, especially without an interpretation. But now imagine a group of friends gathered where all of them had the ability to pray in a prayer language. If they all agreed to take a few minutes and pray in tongues— All of them are built up, and there is no confusion, and since this is something planned, it's decent and in order. So I believe in a simple case like this, it's fine. However, it doesn't take much to see how this could become a problem. What if, while everyone's praying, a guest that doesn't speak in tongues shows up late? Now we could have confusion again, and someone may feel left out. In a case like that, it may be very appropriate to stop 
and explain what's going on and make the visitor feel welcomed and informed. It may even be necessary to change plans. That's the loving thing to do. And it's one of the ways we keep things decent and in order and care for everyone. I was in Indiana on a business trip, and I noticed that right next to my hotel, there was a small church that was part of a larger Pentecostal denomination. There was a little sign out front, and I noticed they had a midweek evening service that I could fit into my schedule. The night of the service, I walked into the church, and there was a very small worship area, but no one was there. I wasn't sure what to do, but after a few minutes of waiting, I heard some talking. So I made my way to a back room, popped my head in, and I saw six people sitting around a table. Now, sometimes I am not socially aware of what's going on around me. And this was one of those cases. What I didn't realize was that this was a leadership team, and they were getting together to pray about the direction of the church. But I thought it was a midweek service. And what came out of my mouth was something so, oh, so awkward. It was something like, hi, my name's Glenn, and I'm visiting from Everett, Washington, and I saw your sign, and would it be okay if I joined you for church tonight? It was just awkward. Well, they all had this stunned expression on their faces because they didn't expect anyone to show up. But the pastor and his wife were gracious, and they welcomed me. Everyone introduced themselves, and you could just tell They were salt-of-the-earth people who loved God and were committed to serving Jesus. They were wonderful people, so pleasant. After the introductions, the pastor's wife invited me to sit next to her, and we all got settled. As the room got quiet, the pastor looked around the table, and he said, very simply, let's pray. I just kind of instinctively bowed my head, closed my eyes, and I was caught totally off guard because all of them started praying in tongues, and they weren't praying quietly. They were loud. It scared me so much, I jerked in my seat. Imagine someone yelling unexpectedly in your ear when your eyes are closed. It was like that. It startled me. (laughs) But as the adrenaline began to clear from my system, I started thinking about what was going on. I hadn't told them anything about my spiritual beliefs or whether I spoke in tongues. And I started thinking about how they should be more aware of others when it comes to the gifts like speaking in tongues. And then I decided that I wanted to see how they would react. Would they even think about what they were doing with a stranger present? So I intentionally did not join them in praying in tongues. I just stayed quiet. But I did more than that. I started judging them for the way they were speaking in tongues. Those of you who have listened to other episodes know that in my past, I have wrestled with legalism. And these nice people were breaking the rules I knew about speaking in tongues. They weren't stopping to interpret what they were saying. There were six of them speaking in tongues and not two or three, and it bothered me. Well, finally, the praying was over, and everyone opened their eyes, and I was still judging them for not being considerate towards me even though I was the one who had encroached upon them, and I could have joined them, prayed in tongues. That was something I did. The pastor was getting ready to continue the meeting when his wife looked at me and realized what had happened. 
Her hand went to her mouth and she let out this little gasp. And you could tell she was trying to figure out if I knew about speaking in tongues and she wanted to put me at ease. It became obvious that she cared about me and as a leader in that small flock, really loved me. In a kind, soft voice, she stopped the meeting and started to explain what they had just done. That act of love by her tore up and destroyed any root of judgment that was growing in me. My judgment could not stand against her love. So I just told her it was okay, and it was. That meeting turned out to be one of those divine appointments where God worked in me and God blessed that small church. Maybe in a future episode, I'll share more about that. My point here is that we must grasp how important it is that we love people and are considerate of them when we exercise spiritual gifts, especially speaking in tongues. If we are aware of who's present and explain what we're doing and are willing to adjust to put others at ease when we speak in tongues publicly, our love for them will be apparent. And these become moments when the Holy Spirit works to benefit everyone. For the body of Christ, speaking in tongues does present a challenge. For those with liberty in this area, the challenge is to consider others, to follow the way of love, and to do everything decently and in order. And yes, this means exercising self-control, limiting the use of tongues in a public setting, interpreting tongues when necessary, and taking ownership of actions and not blaming the Holy Spirit if we make a mistake and do things that are out of line. Now, for Christians who are critical of the gift of speaking in tongues, the challenge is also to follow the way of love. It can be difficult to follow Paul's teaching to not forbid speaking in tongues, especially when the gift is misused. This is where love must be allowed to grow grace within us. If you are someone who wrestles with growing judgment, like I did at that small church in Indiana, please let the Holy Spirit work in you and let mercy triumph over judgment. I know that we could take more episodes to talk about speaking in tongues, but I think it's time to move on unless I get a lot of questions. If you have comments, suggestions, or questions, please email me at glenn at spiritledhope.com, or simply use the contact form at spiritledhope.com. In the next episode, I want us to look at the bigger picture for a moment and see that life with God is meant to be experienced. And now, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in Him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Until next episode, take care.